0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i I look at what happens to people in starbucks in philly and i'm like ah it is not me (laughs) it's you (laughs) and that's that's a helpful feeling i think there's a there's a there's a need to have a space where my personhood um and my black body can can step in and there's a different story around it
1: hey loves it's wanda the host of the black women travel podcast i'd like to invite you to become a patron of the black women travel podcast there are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community we can continue to heal ask for what we deserve get it and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash BWTPod. Get ready to hear another great episode. thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your
0: business? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Orion Brown. I am originally from Chicago, Illinois, Chi-Town, um, And I currently reside in Denver, Colorado. Very, very different. Um, and my company is The Black Travel Box.
1: Very different, but same climate,
0: not really no actually we have this mysterious thing called sun here in denver oh true Um, true. (laughs) so it'll snow and they actually don't plow it they just let the sun magically remove it by science and evaporation that don't happen in chicago (laughs) it does not it does not those icebergs are going to be there straight to like
1: building up on each other turning
0: black Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My melanin levels are like consistent. Like it's just it's crazy living out here.
1: <laughs> wow. So you got the new melan levelator where you can measure your levels <laughs> of melanin.
0: <laughs> I it means I no longer get stripes in the wintertime or turn yellow.
1: <laughs> no, it's amazing. So I am from Southern Illinois, uh Carbondale, hey. Marion okay.
0: area. I don't know if you know
1: it. <laughs> it's a, it's I little do no, little no out no. in the corner <laughs> not really that's like middle Illinois like <laughs> fair, 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 fair point. okay <laughs> sidetracked so tell us about <laughs> tell us about your travels like did you come from a traveling family like how has travel played a role in your life
0: You, so I, the short answer is no, (laughs) um, I am from the South side of Chicago and a lot of the people that I would say are my parents' generation are not big travel folks. Um, and so my exposure to travel really didn't happen until my adult life. Um, you know, I had a few trips kind of in the high school college space, but that was mostly like family stuff, right. Going down to Mississippi and back, that kind of thing. Um, but then, you know, once I graduated and I realized that all the people I went to school with were like worldly humans that went backpacking in Europe and stuff. Um, I was like, oh, okay. There's a thing that people do where they get on planes and go places. Um, so I actually didn't get my passport until I was 25. And then, you know, it was like my first trip was Jamaica and Jamaica is like not that far and not that foreign but it was amazing to be on an island full of beautiful brown people and have great food and be warm and and learn you know a, a different form of english and i was like this is this is the stuff right here i got to keep doing that so now i'm on country 17 which isn't that many but um yeah I, i've been traveling ever since jamaica was
1: actually my first country too oh yeah <laughs> and i thought it was very foreign it was like Getting in, uh, flying into Montego Bay airport Mm -hmm. and seeing the shanty town as you're coming out from the airport and you see like that disparity immediately. Um, That was like really shocking to me being my first foreign experience. Like how did you, Yeah. yeah. How did you feel about, how did you feel about the culture there and moving around uh, black folks like that. Cause like, yeah, you're from Southside Chicago, but like, this is a different, <laughs> <laughs> like you was moving around black folks too there, but like, this is different. Yeah.
0: So, so it was interesting because at the time, um, you know, I, it was my boyfriend that took me and he was from there. So, you know, he had grown up in Jamaica until the age of 19. So going there for me, felt really like a homecoming type of experience Um, because I was, I would say because I was in less of sort of the touristy areas and um, while, you know, you hit the nail on the head, the the poverty disparity there is something that you don't often see. And I probably have only seen something similar in, in, in the South, um, in the deep South, but it, it was, eye-opening but you know I say it's not that foreign because it just feels like a second home to me it's a a very cool um vibe and a lot of the people that I met particularly in St. Elizabeth were folks that you know yeah there was an accent but like the values um and the way of life was was fairly familiar to sort of my more country roots so yeah it, it was it was a major experience for me because I had never been that far away from like anywhere. (laughs) And, um, you know, that was an exciting thing. And to, uh, to drive in those cars on a road that's uh, the half the size of a car, (laughs) uh, flying at 80 miles an hour or whatever it was in kilometers. Um, that was new and it was fun adventure. And I spent most of my time, you know, just exploring and meeting people. And I will say it changed me if, if for no other reason that every time I see a goat now, I think about curry. So (laughs) it's, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience.
1: That's hilarious and sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I like food. What can I say? Uh, Like I remember, um,
1: someone I met there making a joke about, uh, Hitting a goat and be like, well, it's gonna be some curry tonight.
0: <laughs> right? Put a pot at. You just put it in the pot.
1: <laughs> That's really beautiful. Um, yeah, I think you do. I, I don't know about everybody, but I think some people can learn a lot about themselves that first trip, no matter how far, no how no matter how foreign.
0: Yes, definitely. Ooh. And just even figuring out like what your tolerances are and like what your travel yeah. stuff is what bothers you, what you feel comfortable with Yeah, um, and then how to take a risk, you know? And I think being in a space where you're traveling with someone who's native to the, to the place really makes it easier to take risks um, and, and learn that, you know what, that's, that's actually not a bad thing. I should do this more often.
1: <laughs> that sounds like just like part of the process, you know, and figuring out more stuff about yourself out of that comfort zone because there's a I think that there we we know our discomforts in our comfortable spaces we know what those discomforts are and maybe they're just maybe more annoyances sometimes sometimes they're like (laughs) systemic and much larger than that but traveling to a different area even within your own country it's just like getting out of your fishbowl essentially
0: yeah and getting into somebody else's which
1: is amazing Has that capability. So you got your passport, you went to Jamaica and then you've just kind of not stopped traveling since. Um, What, what has kept you on the road? What about the travel experience has touched you to the point where you say, this is something I want to repeat over and over again.
0: Yeah. Um, I think travel is incredibly cathartic. Um, It gives an opportunity to not only sort of um, connect with other people and get out of sort of the societal and cultural pressures that we experience, particularly in the US or just whatever your home country would be, right? Like that environment that has all of these undertones of, you know, particularly as a black woman, what I should be, how I should speak you know, what their expectations are of me. So getting outside of that space and being in a very different culture um, and interacting with people there, get, for me, it just gave me an incredible amount of perspective. And every time I met someone in a different culture, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this again. And I want to see what it, how it's different in the next place. Um, and that was really important because I think my sense of self, um, you know, for many of us, our sense of self is grounded in the prevalent culture that that we reside in and right now we we live in a pretty tumultuous one so having a different uh perspective on who i am in other spaces gives me a more holistic view um you know of who i am at, at the core and i think between that and really discovering sort of uh the planet <laughs> in a in somewhat of a hippie way um there hasn't been a place that i've been to that I haven't looked around and thought, God, this is amazing and, and had, you know, sort of a a spiritual moment in, in that either, you know, I'm someplace that has ancient ruins and, you know, a thousand years ago, someone touched the same stone that I'm touching versus, you know, an amazing sunset at, you know, the tip of South Africa and seeing the Indian ocean and the Atlantic touch and how amazing the clouds look. And, you know, you just have those moments where it's like, wow. Um Again, life is a little bit bigger than or a lot bigger than what you you know see every day and you I had a corporate job for fifteen years, so it would be wake up, go to work, <laughs> drive for an hour, go to work, drive for an hour, come back, make dinner, go to bed, do it again, and so having that space to really touch um the world in a different way and experience it in a different way rather than through Netflix is I think an invaluable, um, opportunity to really take care of oneself from, from a, like an emotional and a spiritual level. Um, and then it's just a great way to get the hell away (laughs) and just have fun and have fun in new ways. I have had the oddest, uh, experiences having fun in other countries. Um, just based off of, you know, what was available and, you know, the crowd that you're with. And, and that's, it's just, you know, a great release and a great way to enjoy oneself.
1: I was going to ask about if what you've learned about yourself compares at all to your corporate experience, because I see that um, you have your Bachelor of Arts in Human Development, you got a, your MBA in Strategy and Marketing, and you've worked for some really big companies, JP Morgan, Nestle, Kraft. An oracle um so again like talking about what you said seeing yourself in a through a particular lens Mm -hmm. especially in as a black woman in the corporate world Mm -hmm. um could you compare the two at all um about learning about yourself about learning how people see you about seeing how other people do things
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think corporate America for for women of color is a particularly interesting space. Um, And there's a lot of stereotype and a lot of expectation within that space. Um, Traveling, I think from a, uh, from the perspective of you know, communication and things like that, you know, you're still a woman when you're going to certain places, you're still a person of color when you go to certain places. Um, but I think that the the contrast for me was more, um, more free spirited, you know, sort of exploration. Um, where Whereas in the corporate setting, um, taking risks is not necessarily the most uh, acceptable thing to do. So, For me, it was more my sense of adventure and my sense of exploration and risk taking was, um, you know, kind of free to explore a bit more and be more creative. I have to say some of my best business ideas came from taking the vacation time (laughs) and going somewhere else um, and getting out of, you know, the gray walls and the cubicles and all of that. So I think, uh, you know, the contrast for me is that I'm far less regimented. I'm much more of a free spirit. Um, But I do still do a a spreadsheet before I travel (laughs) of, you know, places I want to go and things I want to do. So I at least know uh, I have it planned ahead of time. So I think that's like the big contrast from a work perspective. Um, More broadly, I would say things that I have noticed while traveling and that have made it more of a freeing um, experience and I've learned more about myself would be more of like sort of the cultural societal norms. So in, in the States, uh, if I go into a store, I'm very cognizant of how much money I have in my wallet. I'm very cognizant of being watched. I'm very com- cognizant of being followed around the store. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced that in another country, ever, except for Japan, but they're being very helpful. Um, they're actually not, they don't you know,
1: not <laughs> In some Asian countries, like, they just follow you around, like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in Japan in particular, they have a, I mean, you know, they're they're just off the coast, but I think they have a really unique culture, and it's very much based off of courtesy and helpfulness. Um, And so you come into a store, you are greeted by someone, like old school, like 1950s Carson Perry Scott. You know, you're out, it's, it's that kind of feel. And I, I went into a coffee shop in Tokyo. And it was like a regular, like it was basically laid out like a Starbucks. So the counter's nowhere near the door. They yelled from the counter and, and greeted us. <laughs> They're like, hi, come on in. And so, you know, that, that level of courtesy, that level of, you know, I, I look at what happens to people in Starbucks in Philly and I'm like, ah, it is not me, <laughs> it is you. <laughs> and that's, that's a helpful feeling. I think there's a, there's a, there's a need to have a space where my personhood um, and my black body can, can step in and there's a different story around it.
1: Okay. So it sounds like you're saying that your corporate experience um, reinforced the ideas that you had about yourself, but traveling helped you to put yourself in a different perspective.
0: Yeah. And in not only corporate, I would say, you know, just sort of the broader experience as a, as a black woman in, in the States. Okay. Um, but yeah, the corporate experience I think is, it was a very nice um, contrast um, to, you know, the office was a very nice contrast to the rest of the world and even being in business settings in the rest of the world, um, you know, particularly during business school and, and doing business related trips um, after Yeah, it's just a different vibe. It's just a different vibe.
1: That's really interesting to like reflect on it because I think a lot of times when we're going through things, like we have some idea, but being able to like put words to it and have some space and time to really try to describe our experience is sometimes a luxury. I don't think a lot of our parents had that (laughs) luxury or that space and time to do that. Yeah. So with this freedom that you've experienced, Ryan, um, you've been able to create some really dope stuff. So I I saw that you were a business coach. Are you still?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do it involuntarily. It's just, it'll just come out. I'll be like, "Um, so my trainer don't have the right pricing structure. Let me go talk to him right quick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's something that I've done um, off and on over the years more informally. And, and now that I've started my own company, um, it was a great way to sort of, frankly, have supplemental income and, you know, have, have something to fall back on um, while I'm kind of building up a startup.
1: So let's talk about your startup. Um, so the Black Travel Box um, tell us about it. How did you come up with the idea? How did you source your products? What's your journey been like? Give us all the goods.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah. So Black Travel Box is um, a personal care products company for travelers of color. So everything that we make, um, it's like hair and skincare products that are meant to travel well, get you through TSA and are actually made for melanated skin and textured hair. So yeah. Um, the idea came about actually when I was on a trip to japan um i I got on the trip and we we stopped in a number of cities and we went from Tokyo to uh okinawa and it didn't occur to me that the weather would be that different between those places because I was like japan's like a not a huge island um yeah, it was starkly different, so I went from you know mild springtime weather to <sighs> hot (laughs) and moist. Um, and I just didn't bring enough hair product for that. I wasn't ready. And I was, you know, rocking a a natural, you know, kind of wash and go. And I was like, this little two and a half ounce, three ounce bottle is not going to hit it. Like, you know, I got to wash with it and I got to style with it. And, um, the humidity just fried my hair. And so I was like, this is so frustrating. Now I look crazy in my photos, and I have one photo in particular that I really hate. It's it's a really cool photo where we're learning how to like hold samurai swords, and I'm like, yeah, I look like a badass, but then I got like sideshow bob on my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, that I was complaining about it, and you know, my. um, my boyfriend said, Hey, why don't you do it? Isn't that like, weren't you doing consumer products before? Like, why don't you make a company that, that makes stuff for you? Um, and I was like, Oh, you funny. haha." Okay. Um, but you know, I kept noodling it and I was like, this is actually not the worst idea. <laughs> let me see what I can put together. And probably about six months later was when I got the nerve to say, all right, let me go slap an LLC on this and start doing some work and see where we get.
1: And that's how we started. So what's it been like? Um, you are on the market you are looking for VC funding to expand, I assume, because that's usually why people are looking for money. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I would say um, probably venture isn't the right space uh, for us right now. I think one, you know, and I've, I've done some pitches and things like that. And the feedback is, is that, you know, the black consumer is a niche market and Black travel is a niche of a niche. Um, And so when you're thinking about VC um, capital, they're really looking for those 10x returns in just a few years. They're looking at whether or not it can be a billion dollar business. And I don't think that that really meshes well with, you know, the mission that I have, which is to help people like me feel as comfortable and as you know, flipping awesome as they can while they're traveling the world. So they're not running around to grocery stores and putting grapeseed oil on their elbows. Um, and so, and, uh, and you know, oil—that
1: oil. that is a very nice oil though.
0: <laughs> it, is a good, it is a nice oil but when you're in Japan and nothing has like pictures on it. It's like all words. You don't know, you know, even where to find that. And Great. I have to say when I started the company, I started interviewing people. Um, and that was a, that was like a kind of trending, um, habit that I was hearing from a lot of people that they would go to the grocery store and find like coconut oil or grapeseed oil. Um, and I'm, I just, I just want you to not have to go to the grocery store to put, <laughs> to, to feel comfortable and have enough to, to, you know, kind of do what you need to do. Um, if you're spending, you're spending that much on a hotel or a resort and you can't get it there, that's a problem. Um, so that's, that's what I'm endeavoring to do. And I, I am looking at, um, funding opportunities, probably more angel side, but um, but yeah, I mean we're still fledgling. I'm I'm still working on the product offerings right now. We have just a few, um, you know, we have a an awesome body balm. It's awesome. Um, our body balm. We have lip <laughs> balms, um, hair balms, and you'll notice there's a theme here. All of those products are anhydrous. There's no water in it. So when you get on the plane, a you didn't pay for a bottle that's 70 percent water anyway um but b you can go through tsa with these um and then you know our shampoo co-wash and conditioner are all in bar form so they're solid so again you can take those on a plane and the amount that you're getting out of it because they're essentially concentrated products um lets you you know do more than just two days worth of you know personal care and grooming so you know that's something that uh as we continue to innovate and kind of figure out the bundle and work with our customers um, to learn more about what they want to see, uh, we'll continue to build on it. And then that investment is going to be necessary because um, you know, creating, creating brands and, and certainly creating consumable brands, it is very cash intensive.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You have to have so much stock on hand.
0: Yes. And the ingredients
1: for the uh, packaging you have to ship all of it. So yeah, it does take a lot up front. H- have you, have you modeled yourself at all after my leak uh, teal's curl box?
0: Um, not necessarily. So we're not, nec- we're not a traditional subscription box. Right. Um, I really did start out with the the notion that I'm not going to make anything that I can't stand and no slight to the curl box or any of the boxes my challenge has always been, if you're sending me stuff every month and I'm getting different things, not everything's going to work well for me. And then I'm going to have this stockpile of stuff that I keep telling myself one of my, you know, oh, I have a friend over and then I'll like have them use it when they stay over. Uh, and that never happens. And I have this stockpile of stuff. Um, and so I was I was looking more for an opportunity to start building out a product selection that allows people to find the things that they really want and need and like, and then we'll move on to, you know, enabling subscription and things like that. But I don't want to be like, surprise, here's some more stuff. Um, <laughs> that, that was sort of what I wanted to shy away from.
1: Word, word. And then I wanted to ask you about like uh, angel funding. So you, you have, you have a photo with the OG Ireland Hamilton.
0: <laughs> that poor lady. I stalk her. It was really on accident, though. <laughs> you don't accidentally stalk someone, do you? Well, I mean, <laughs> so you know, when you're in sort of the the black startup circuit, like it's one of those things you start going to these events, and it's just, and then she's, you know, she's transcendent, right? So she's showing up at everybody's event. Like her calendar, I think most people can run into her at least twice. Um, because she's always somewhere. But yeah, I actually, I took that photo um, at, I think it's Project North Star in Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, I just got to fangirl out. I was like, you know what? I'm about to say hi. And (laughs) that's how we ended up doing that. You know what? We
1: about to be best friends. Did you do that too? What's that? I said, you know what? We about to be best friends. Did you get to say Or not. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah! It's like you know you auntie you auntie the: R. Um,
1: who have you found aside from her? But well, okay, so wait, you do go to quite a few events. Like you're an event monster. <laughs> Isn't that because you are looking to connect with people. Like, what are you getting out of the events you go to?
0: Yeah. I mean, so it's been a little bit since I've been to a conference. I think I took a, I think I took the summer off because I was like, I can't y'all there's too many conferences in June at the same time. Um, But in general, I think it's really valuable to get in spaces where people are innovating. And even if it's not necessarily your same industry, there's a lot to be learned there. Um, And it's everything from the practicalities of running a business to, um, you know, the challenges. I went to an amazing Inc. event um, I think that was last fall, and listening to the founder of UGGs talk about how he went door to door selling UGGs, and listening to the founder of Pandora talking about how he was like basically bankrupt and had all of his stuff like floating on five credit cards. Um, is like, oh, okay, it's supposed to be hard. Got it. Okay. Which is helpful. You don't always hear that. And I think a lot of people like to present the prettiest picture. Um, And especially when you're talking about like, you know, sort of more quick networking events. It's like, yes, I run this business. It's so great. Um, But to hear people talk about, yeah, no, it sucked. And I got sued. And whatever it may be, um, I think that's really valuable because, it, you know, entrepreneurship can be very lonely. It can be very isolating. Um, and you're passionate about this thing that you're creating and building. Um, and feeling like, you know, you need to it, you always feel like you need to be three steps ahead of where you are. So um I think that's the biggest thing. And I think the other piece is is networking is really important to um to moving forward what your dream is, right? The more people know what it is that you're working on, the more opportunities you know, you have to connect with not only them, but their network. Um, oftentimes I'll find that people that I've met at some place while it, while there wasn't necessarily an opportunity directly with them, I may hear from them months later. Hey, I remember meeting you at such and such and you were telling me you were doing this and I just met this other person. Can I connect you? That's invaluable. Um, Cause now you have essentially an army of people out there advocating for you. Um, and finding resources and sort of hunting and gathering, which is which is awesome and free. <laughs> you
1: post um, semi-often about the difficulties of being a Black entrepreneur, um, a woman entrepreneur, um, an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So even with those difficulties, you do find that there are people out there. I guess it's like the... a a dating type of thing you gotta kiss a lot of
0: frogs (laughs) you gotta get through the nose to get to the yes i think that's the that i think that's a great adage and i think it's really true um being comfortable with duds um because there's just a lot of people and and not everybody's gonna be the right fit not everybody that wants to give you money is gonna be the right fit not everybody that you want to give you money is going to be the right thing. Um, and so, or not, you know, even the people that you're looking forward to help you. I, I've had amazingly interesting challenges with finding the right talent and the right partners, um, you know, to, to help me execute what I'm doing. And, and it's, that's the process. And then every time you go, you go, okay, I should have asked this question. Oh, you know what? These are the two questions that need to go on the list oh, this is how I need to follow up or I need to talk to them in person or whatever it might be. So you learn from the process, um, whether it be networking, whether it be bringing on people, you learn from the process as you go.
1: If you were running for um, a political office, it sounds like your platform would be jail reform, expunging of records, ongoing deep mental health care, business training and land home ownership for black people. So just like kind of following that vein of um, going through the no's to get to the yeses and how important it is to continue to ask for what it is that you want. So you are are in the throes of experiencing what it's like to be a Black person, a Black woman in America and, and coming and bringing this business, not just the corporate world as well, but like this is a different beast, right? So... Um, infrastructure, uh, it seems like it's something that's really important to you in terms of having that good foundation, like what you were saying, like making the adjustments that you need in order to get the result that you want. Um, is that is that how you feel about America at large? Like, are you hopeful that things will change for the better? in terms of like the politics there regarding- Yeah, like- I
0: mean, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Yes, yes, that's it, pretty much.
0: Well, I, I think that, I I am hopeful that, you know, the America that we're experiencing today is not gonna be the America we experience tomorrow and it will progressively get better. Um, I I love that people are, interpreting sort of the Constitution in more modern terms and really latching on to the spirit of it, even though, um, you know, it was was wrapped in a little bit of ignorance at the time, um, the spirit of continually trying to um, create a more perfect union um, and and having uh, freedom from tyranny um, and that, you know, equality is something that we strive for um you know that those if those stay at the forefront of how we think about our country um we will improve we will continue to improve and we will also make mistakes but those are things that we have to learn from i think you know you look at you know, <laughs> president obama the whole country was like ah we're post racial yeah. um I, that was a great wake up call to say, look, every time we make a stride and something awesome happens, we should celebrate it. But we can't sit on our laurels because that doesn't mean we've made it. That means we've made a step. Um, and so I think we learned that with you know, the contrast of our current president. And I think even from that regard, we're now, now we're starting to question our electoral process and, you know, continually having and maybe. Rehashing conversations around electoral college and how you know voter registration works, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where change comes from: having enough conversations and then mobilizing against the ideas that come from them. So I am hopeful, but I'm still keeping my passport <laughs> 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 so I can get up out of here if I need to.
1: <laughs> Said that.
0: Yeah. How, how
1: has it been traveling as a black woman in your skin? So you're coming from your experiences here and you said you Mm -hmm. felt more free. Um, Overall, how would you say that you've experienced travel as a black woman?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that travel has always been um, a release for me. Um, I remember going to Ireland and it's like the whitest place on the earth. It's like white people and grass, Um, beautiful grass though. And don't forget the cows (laughs) and the cows. Oh my gosh, they're so pretty, though. They're like country cows that have all their angles right. So, like, every picture I took of a cow, it had like the sun and the jawline was looking good. And I was like, Really? I wish I could pose like that.
1: Like, that is milk I would love to drink, actually.
0: Right? (laughs) What's in your milk? Yes. um but walking around there it wasn't until I think the second or third day in I was in Limerick and I saw black people and I remembered I was black and that I know it sounds weird but I'm always thinking about my blackness when I'm at home right like when I'm out in the world exploring if somebody's like yeah let's go to a farm I'm like "Ooh, but I'm black <laughs> but in you Ireland do that exactly we all climb mountains but you know being in in ireland people were so warm and welcoming and friendly and i mean maybe it's because everybody's drinking but it they were just amazing and and i realized i saw these black folks and then the other thing is is i realized they were not u.s black folks because i tried to give them a nod and they just looked at me um so i was like oh that's different it 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 was cool it was a cool experience to go you know what my skin is not the focal point of my um my being here um you know some places do fetishize us which is like a whole other thing um some places people are rude i still have trouble with like barcelona i'm like "Mm, i don't know i really love this um But for the most part, those experiences have been really, again, freeing where I can just experience where I'm at as opposed to, well, let me make sure that I'm holding my bag right and my hands look like they're empty when I'm walking out of this store or walking out of this museum. Um, So yeah, it's it's, it's a different thing.
1: You hit on two very key things. So yes, I think Black Americans acknowledging each other in as strangers, is more of a thing than others <laughs> from yeah, the rest yeah. of the black diaspora. I don't think yeah. they care <laughs> and I don't know why. that's okay. something that I need to pull.
0: Um, I don't know that that's I don't know if it's that they don't care. I think it's oh. I, here's the example that I would give is uh, never call a Korean person Chinese, right? For, for a lot of people who haven't been around a ton of Asian people and haven't been around a ton of, like a variety of Asian people, they can't really tell the difference. And it's, it's ignorance. All human beings have this kind of schema where we look at folks and we go, Oh, it's vaguely the same. Okay. You must be in that group. That's how our brains work. Um, but they know very quickly and very easily either by the look of the person or what they're wearing or, you know, how they're carrying themselves exactly where they're from to some extent. And so I think for us, we have that same thing. We can kind of tell when we're, you know, um, interacting with or seeing a person from Africa, uh, you know, somewhere from the continent or even where in Africa, because obviously it's a huge place, uh, or the Caribbean, right? And so I think that cultural tie of being like a black American, um, you know, a U.S. born and raised black American, we kind of know each other. and. And they kind of know we're not one of them and we kind of know they're not one of us in that way, Um, which I think is kind of nice. I mean, we we kind of poo poo on black culture as it, you know, oh, but we lost our history. But it's like, yeah, but we created a new one. We created our own rich culture um, and we pulled from a lot of places and we wove something together that works for us. Um, I will say, though, it blew my mind. I was in an airport in Munich And I went to the counter to get breakfast and the chick was black and she was like, I wish I could show you, but you know when you go to McDonald's and they're tapping the weave to keep it from itching. (laughs) She was that chick. She was totally that chick. She had the rhinestone earrings. The ponytail was like a little weird. And she was, but everything she said was in German. And you know, German sounds like people are yelling at you. Um, (laughs) And I was just, Like she was asking me what I wanted for breakfast and I was just staring at her. And then all I could think was, I just want to go to your house. How do you live in Germany? What does it look like? What do y'all talk about? Um, (laughs) So there are those moments and we do have to acknowledge that, you know, the diaspora is broad and it's not just from the continent. And it's not just from the Caribbean or the U S people have been ingrained in these other countries, some of them for several generations. um, And it's, it's cool. It's a different thing. We're not all the same. She won't know the nod. That's cool. But I don't think that I the nod. Like see
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that the nod is a uh, acknowledgement of we're the same. I think the nod is an acknowledgement of we exist in this place. Yes. Maybe that we're yes. not from or that we're not connected to. Like I'm not sure. But it's just we. It's an acknowledgement of existence. I think. So I think there's a nuance there. Yes, a lot of times you can tell where someone is from, though it's harder to tell because, like you said, there have been generations of people growing up in other countries. And so a lot of times they're culturally, you know, bridging a couple of cultures there. But, um, yeah, I when I said that some people are not interested, like a lot of the mm-hmm. Black people that I see traveling are with white people, and they're absolutely not interested. They don't look at you, like <laughs> they don't try to make eye contact, like, they're looking around everywhere else,
0: but like not at you. <laughs> you know what I mean. So well, you know, and, and I have traveled with white people quite a bit, yeah. and I'm always the first one to like, "Oh, look, it's more black people." Excuse me. Uh, and I go, "Leave them." <laughs> oh, right. So there's so there's some the nuance. Like it's not
1: to say everyone, but I do believe that. Yeah. No, no, I got don't look are possibly not looking on purpose. <laughs> Even if they're by themselves, yeah, just yeah. walking like they just don't want it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, I, I, and I find that odd, but everybody's got their thing. Well, the other know, thing is, is, is everybody like, not everybody's not comfortable. For a community, you know? Yeah. Well, or, or even just looking to interact with folks. Like I think yeah. I went on a trip recently where there were more travel movies than I was kind of aware of. And I was astounded by the things that they were astounded by and like their lack of awareness. <laughs> and, stuff like and I was like, Oh, y'all so green. You don't know nothing. Um, but then it, it, it dawned on me. I mean, there's an entire, I mean, there's tons of us that haven't, you know, gone out into the world um, and don't get the opportunity to do so frequently. I think it's, you know, it's, it's changing rapidly. The black travel movement is growing leaps and bounds, but um but yeah so people are getting new experiences and it's like did I talk to people my first trip no I let I let my travel partner talk to people and introduce me I was like I just running up on somebody on the street like hey I know you uh <laughs> I don't know they could all be killers I don't know um so I, I give people the benefit of the doubt you never quite know what's what's going through their minds you know yeah no. ultimately you know the offense is like nothing but I, I've also seen people in the ocean, two black dudes in the ocean, like yards from each other, and they gave each other the nod. And I was like, <laughs> that's what's up. I see you. <laughs> The
1: other thing that you were talking about was um, how people are in Ireland, the Irish folks. When yeah. I tell you that is where you learn the art of conversation, those people will talk to you for hours about anything under the sun. Yep. They are the most open conversational people I've ever met in my entire life
0: oh yeah and and just kind and friendly kind I I've never like hospitality there is like I think they really do think everyone's their friend like as soon as you like exchange (laughs) names they're like you're my mate now like (laughs) you're mate is that from the cheers (laughs) like yeah yeah it's it's I, I I have to say it was it's it's such a fantastic place, um and the people are so interesting and I have to also say that I think the um, the way in which we see particularly if we are not in you know predominantly white areas, well even actually it doesn't even really matter where we live, but the way that we tend to kind of assess whether or not a person not of color is sort of you know a safe person to interact with it's like there you can't even do that because people was like oh he looks like a redneck no he's just drunk and <laughs> his face is red <laughs> Like you know or you know that guy looks like a skinhead no he just shaved his head because it's cooler that way like and, and it's just I think it really broke some chains for me around my discomfort um and I grew up in, you know, it was like Chicago, but then I was also in other places where I went to, you know, white you know, predominantly white schools and going to college was predominantly white. And I thought I had exposure, but I had never felt so at ease in a place where no one else looked like me, um, as I did in Ireland. I feel that.
1: I co signed that wholeheartedly.
0: <laughs>
1: um, so and they feed you good too. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna co sign that part because they kinda get i don't know i felt okay well i don't eat meat so oh, wow, got <laughs> you
0: for me yeah there's no vegetables I they got french fries and they're kind of <laughs> i got you yeah
1: <laughs> but it, it, it seemed very like uh i don't know like the uk like british
0: like yeah i mean
1: the same yeah. pricey oh. and not much taste
0: <laughs> See, and I kind of stuck to like I really love lamb stew and because uh-huh. they have so much I mean sorry it's really meaty, but um because they have so much farmland out there it's nice. really good meat um yeah. and it's really a hearty like kind of homemade kind of food um the other thing is is I don't know that I ate out a ton because we stayed at B&B's. I mean, I guess I had to, I had to go eat dinner, but, um, <laughs> but like, I, you know, just what, like the food that I remember is food that a person that I knew made. So whether it be the B&B owner making us breakfast or random guys we met at a bar making us food, like, you know, people were like, Oh, you should come to our house. We'll make you a proper Irish breakfast. And then you're eating, black pudding and white pudding. I didn't like the white pudding, but black pudding was not so bad. Um, and <laughs> eggs and things like that. So, you know, and then the stew, like we went to the Aran Islands mm-hmm. and they're, oh, they're just gorgeous and breathtaking. And it's so cool to be out there. We go to this pub and the pub is like, oh yeah, my mom made this or whatever. <laughs> and it's like a big, beautiful bowl of stew and soda bread that they baked there. And, you know, the kid behind the counter is like 12 pouring us beers and putting shamrocks in them for us. So it was just, that's the, that's the food that stuck with me. That, that was the food experience. It was more of a, um, a communal kind of food experience. That's really powerful. I love that. But I will say their fast food life is not anything to, Right, I'm about <laughs> like fish and chips. I could wring this fish out and have a whole new bottle of oil. <laughs> it's like a physical <laughs> miracle. It's like we've got one fish. Everyone has oil. Um, so yeah. <laughs> one, of favorite,
1: one of my favorite things to say about the British is you mean y'all went and colonized the whole world, got some <laughs> spices, brought them back, didn't know what to do with them, and then <laughs> vinegar a seasoning. Vine-
0: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I like vinegar on is malt vinegar on french fries. It's actually very, very good. But I mean, it cute, that. but come through. Like, you better.
1: Now <laughs> you heard of Lowry's? What is
0: wrong? <laughs> All this, and you didn't bring one one smidge of salt back. What's, yeah.
1: that, what's that box everybody used for fifth seasoning? It's a box. Oh.
0: I can't remember it right now. I know what you're talking about. It was yes. like the, mix the yellow box, that. yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, looking, I'm, I'm imagining the box too. And I'm like, ooh, I <laughs> that. that? yellow box. I didn't really Because if you had but like a hood grocery store, they'd have it sitting right next to the fish. It yeah. was sitting
1: on the counter. Absolutely. <laughs> because we like taste. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so you are a total foodie. And you don't mind I love a nice beverage every now and then.
0: I'm sorry, what was that?
1: I said, and you don't mind a nice beverage every now and then.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, although I'm probably, I'm on a little bit of a dry kick right now, but in general, yeah. like, one of the things I love to do is every country I like to, to grab whatever their local beer is. Um, I know fully that the local beer is going to be their equivalent of bud or bud light, but it's kind of nice to just, you know, have that kind of local experience um, (laughs) and, and enjoy that. And I always try to do two things when I travel to countries, get as much, um, I guess, quote unquote, indigenous food as possible. Like at least making sure that I have, you know, a a few meals that are native to that space. Um, Like when you go to places like Dubai, it's kind of actually hard to find truly local food. Um, because everybody's from somewhere else. Um, so I do try to find like truly local food. And then the other pieces is, is I do hit my fast food joints. Not because I love fast food, but I do love to see the differences um, regionally with fast food places, because it's it's really fascinating.
1: And there's so much that's similar, like the McDonald's fries in Malaysia taste just the same.
0: <laughs> well, there isn't too much you could do the fries. <laughs>
1: Because like you get fries from somewhere else here, they don't taste like that. So like <laughs> you you have your uh, system so down pat that you oh, yeah. have these products and the the cooking methods and whatever whatever that it tastes literally the same. Like that's that's really dope. I mean, I mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. It's and uh, you know you look at like. you look at places like kfc right so they use the same spices because it's like the Colonel's secret recipe of spices so the spice is the same um so the chicken most of the time tastes the same and usually has like whatever the same relative level of crispiness and stuff but then the sides will be vastly different so like in cape town instead of getting a biscuit they give you like little loaves of bread that look like almost like king hawaiian rolls but they're like long (laughs) I don't know why it was really good, but it was really random. I was like, Oh, is that a whole loaf? (laughs) Um, You know, uh, and and conversely when in the Philippines, like in Manila, you go and they have, (laughs) they have rice. Number one. I'm like, okay, I can kind of get where y'all came with that. But then it's like, Oh, do you want gravy? Sure. They give you a mashed potato container full of gravy not gravy on the mashed potatoes, an entire container of gravy because in their heart of hearts they want you to die. And it's <laughs> so good. Rude. That is rude. <laughs> but it is true. I sat there and I had mashed potatoes and rice and gravy and chicken and I think they did have biscuits there. So it was like, but there's always these little subtle nuances that make it really a fun kind of adventure.
1: Here they serve at mcdonald's a cup of corn like corn on the cob but it's on off the, cob? the cob. it's off oh. the cob so it's just a cup of corn because that's how they get down here
0: <laughs> here is a bowl of corn enjoy it with your cheeseburger yeah. <laughs> yes absolutely something i love about
1: because <laughs> i love tea uh they have green tea and just i have a green tea mouthwash right now like <laughs> i best green tea
0: product life (laughs) i mean you know what it's natural and it's good for you so it'll come over here at some point i mean we got charcoal toothpaste right now and that took what like 10 15 years to come over from korea so much as they love
1: you would have (laughs) thought something like that would have been faster
0: whatever right well (laughs) you know we're getting there. We're getting there. We got to let the hippies take the lead. It's, you know, all the folks that are like, I'm wearing bamboo underwear. I'm about to sleep on my bamboo sheets. It's like they're the ones they'll take us into the future. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you about your attitude towards trials. Uh, you have a statement that tough times are precursor to the biggest blessings. So do you think that the tough times are a given?
0: Um, I would say that, well, tough for everyone is a little bit different. Um, and what's tough for one person is easy for another. But what I would say is, is that we, you know, we come into this world fighting to get in this world. Like it's a fight to get here. Um, I remember taking genetics in college and, going through sort of that process of reproduction and what has to actually happen on the genetic level at the cellular level. And it's like, it's a freak crazy ass accident, excuse my French, that any person has ever made it into the world. Like <laughs> the amount of things that have to go right to make you is, um, is, it's just, you know, insane. And so I think the very, the very fabric of existence is challenge, um, and that's how we grow. Like your bones don't grow unless you are—they don't grow strong and they don't grow long um, unless you're challenging them. Unless you're straining your body as a kid, so if kids are climbing all over everything. That's at, that's actually eliciting their bones to grow. That's actually making those bones denser and stronger. When you don't do that, you get lighter bone density um, because there's been no strain on them. So there's there's always that uh, challenge of if if you live in this world, there are things that you're going to have to strive for, um, and and challenges that you're going to have to overcome at varying levels. Um, there's I don't think there's any getting away with getting away from that.
1: That's a very interesting analogy. The whole bone density
0: and life. <laughs> Life's just a big old bone girl. (laughs) You just got to make that thing dense, baby. You got to make it dense, baby. You don't want no brittle bones. You don't want to break your hip. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that quote, I mean, you know, there's always seasons and there's always challenges. And, you know, once you get past the challenge, it's like you can't can't sleep because the next one is going to come. And I think when we're not challenged, that's when we get bored. That's when we get complacent that's when we start to feel like you know you in a rut it really is the challenge that kind of brings the excitement um and it can be simple challenges like talk about travel getting over fears of flying getting over fears of talking to people or trying new foods like it doesn't have to be life or death challenges and trials but you grow from all, all of those things because you're training yourself to one have faith and whatever it is that you're doing, right, or whatever it is that you're, whatever outcome you're you're hoping for, um, and then acting on it—that's hard. It's intangible. Okay, there's a cricket in front of me, and they want me to eat it. I want to come on the outside of that, not sick. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side—that's um, a challenge to go. Okay, I have to say that. These people aren't giving me something crazy, and that this will be an experience that'll enrich me, and I can tell people about it later. Um, for a lot of people that's like an uh, insurmountable challenge. I mean, they're straight at McDonald's, eating those French fries that taste just like the ones at home. Um, But then you don't grow. So um, the big stuff comes too. But I think that the big stuff, again, if you you really tackle it and you walk through it and you overcome it, you're going to grow. You're going to grow and you're going to be bigger and better on the other side.
1: You are an advocate for essentially like creating your own table um i saw you post something about not waiting for an opportunity creating the opportunity by becoming proficient at whatever skills you need to become proficient at in order to produce the thing you want to produce do you want to talk about that a little bit
0: um sure i mean i think there's two things that are top of mind for me around opportunity. One is there are opportunities that present themselves to you and you have to make sure that you are doing the right things to be prepared to step into them. Um, I think when I look at regrets in my life, they really are about missed opportunities, opportunities I wasn't ready for. Um, whether I stepped into them or not, but you know, not being ready for it, that's just, you know that'll kill it right there. I think the second piece is creating opportunities. Um, If we don't kind of hop out of our fishbowl, we can miss all that's out there. You know, we we talked a little bit about going to conferences and networking with people. Um, You can't get to, you, you can't step into an opportunity if you don't go where opportunities live. Um, and so whether it's taking the step of creating the opportunity for yourself by going out and seeking it, or whether it's saying, you know what, I don't know where it's going to come from. So I am, uh, you know, made in the likeness of a creator. So let me try to create something.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. I was just thinking, (laughs) (laughs) that's really beautiful. I don't know about the missed opportunities because it's like, you don't know what you don't know sometimes. So it may... Oh, yeah.
0: That's, yeah, that's fair. If you're not aware of it. <laughs> yeah, It's more about the ones that you are, right? Where it's like, yeah. I was going to go to this thing, you know, someone texted me, hey, we're about to go to this, you know, whatever event you want to come and you go, oh, but I just took my shoes off and... <laughs> Let, I'll, I'll catch y'all next time. And then you see the pictures and you're like, are you taking a picture with Anthony Anderson? Oh, well, I guess I should have gone. Um, I think it's more like those types of situations or even the situations where you're, you, know, you call yourself and you're like, yeah, sure, I could do that. And you haven't prepared yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you look at me. Um, that's, that's just not a good place to be. So it's like prepare, you know, prepare to be, you know, if you, if you want to meet somebody, like if you want to meet a mate, That you cannot plan to be home and be comfortable every night. What? What are you talking about?
1: (laughs) Ain't got down with that delivery boyfriend service.
0: Yeah, don't be picking up boyfriends on Instacart because they only make a little bit an hour. So Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's that's terrible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you do have to go, you know, like, okay, what are things that give me confidence? Like, you know, you might get your confidence earrings on or whatever it might be um, and walk around with those on. You know, be ready to be confident in situations that you might need to be confident in and even places that you're not even thinking about it, right? It's like we run out and we'll be in our sweats. I mean, I will. And be great. I'll be in my sweats. Half an eyebrow, like, oh, I'm just running there real quick. You never know who you're going to run into at the coffee shop. You never know what's going to happen. Or you you might even run into a friend that knows you. You don't mind that they only see half an eyebrow, but they're on their way to something that if you had just been dressed, you could have gone, you know? Um, I so need that, more friends like that. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm about to go to such and such. I also am nosy, though. I'll be, if I run into people, I'm like, hey, what are you doing today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> with your eyebrows you? on.
0: Okay. With my, <laughs> I my eyebrows, y'all. I'm ready. There's
1: <laughs> that Jasmine Sullivan song, uh, mascara. She's <laughs> going grocery shopping and she keeps her mascara on because you you never know. You never, you know hers is, is a little bit different. You know, she's looking for a sugar daddy, but I mean, still, you know.
0: <laughs> well, it's whatever you're looking for. You should look like you want it. You should look like you're going to get that right? You know, think,
1: whatever it is. I, that you I think that's a little bit more, well, a lot of bit more challenging uh as a full time traveler. Um, It is more difficult to put yourself in those kinds of spaces because you, like, a lot of times literally have to leave the country in order to, like, meet and convene and, like, be in those kind of spaces. Like, digital is great for a lot of things, right? But sometimes it's the more impactful conversations happen in the actual conversation, like,
0: yeah, you know, yeah. not in an email. <laughs> definitely. Nice. Definitely. But even with the travel, I mean, I'm not a full-time traveler. I, you know, I am based in Denver and I do have a home life here, but um, I find with travel, like, again, like if you, if you land in a country and you got your sweats on, you're like, I just want to be, you know, I just want to be comfortable and look around. That's fine. That's totally cool. But if you would like to meet new and interesting people, if you would like to be able to be invited to dinner on a whim because you met somebody really nice at the park, you should probably be cleaned up a little bit. I, and this isn't all about like personal grooming or whatever. That, those are examples. I mean, if you want to um, try all the fresh fruit and vegetables that they have on the street markets in Croatia – you should probably bring a bag. Just be ready to receive the thing you're looking for. So it really doesn't matter, like, you know, it's not really about looks and things like that, but it's just being ready for it. Um, don't wear cute shoes if you want to learn as much as you can about the Sistine Chapel. You can be walking around for a minute. Be ready to receive what you're looking for. If you want to get that knowledge, you got to walk. If you got to walk, you got to put something comfortable on. Um, it's, that's the preparedness that I'm thinking of.
1: Okay, but like, I didn't invite you on the podcast for you to become the mother of analog- analogies. Like,
0: <laughs> It's just how I think. I can't okay. help
1: it. <laughs> right, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I like what you said. <laughs> There's this video of a member of the audience jumping into the closing catwalk of a Chanel show. <laughs> and yeah that, that is what entrepreneurship feels like for you yeah a lay person walking into a professional setting professional event whatever procession <laughs> and yeah just carrying carrying it off like you belong there because when like in the video like she doesn't look like she wasn't ready like she looked ready like she had practiced <laughs> her walk so is that is that like a fair mother of analogies is that a fair <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah as soon as i saw that i was like ooh that feels like every day um not so much the professional aspect but you know she hopped up on stage and then she got into formation Like legit, and second she got on there, she paced herself. The model behind her gave her room because you know those models will never stop for anything. So she gave her a little room, and they kept walking. And if you were five more feet away, like you know, as she's proceeding, you you wouldn't have noticed except for the fact that she was way shorter than these other chicks. But, um, and and that's sort of the process, right? It's um, you need to step in. To the level of quality and the level level of professionalism and the level that you would expect from and it, you know uh, in, in my case, established brands, you have to come in with that. This isn't like you know you can't come up on stage looking like a hobo you can't come up on stage not knowing how to walk. Um, you can't come up on stage without having you know your shoulders back and your head held high, and so I thought that that was a really cool visual for yeah, you just got to hop in there. And that's the other thing. They were moving quickly and she found her space. It looked like she was jump, about to jump double dutch. She just like hopped in and started going. And, you know, that's also what it is because there is a market out there for whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's, you know, content creation, selling a product, selling a service, etc. There's a market and that market is constantly moving. It's constantly fluid. And you have to just get in where you fit in and be ready and on point and keep it moving uh, until eventually a very tall supermodel pulls you off stage. <laughs> <laughs> is that what happened? Because I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was one of the, um, oh, not Giselle. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, one of the girls pulled her off at the other end.
1: Yes. No, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Um, I would love to ask you um, did you have support in? Trying to figure out how to incorporate more travel into your life.
0: Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I, well, in in a way, so w- particularly when I went to business school, I structured a lot of as much travel as I could, um, because that was the more, you know, far flung travel. And and I still had, you know, I still had my water wings on. I was like, I don't want to be at four feet. Let's just, you know, let's stay over here. Uh, <laughs> in the shallow end. Um, and so when I took trips like, you know, to Turkey and Dubai and South Africa, it was, um, I guess, supported in the sense that it was a structured trip, right? So I was like, the kind of insurance that this school has, I ain't gonna die on this trip. I'm good. I'll just enjoy it. I'll be able to have fun and experience these places in an in-depth way, knowing that I'm in a safe environment with a group that is, um, you know, kind of providing that insulation. Um, you know, after, after business school, when I started to travel on trips, I mean, I always travel with other people. I'm not really much of an individual traveler except for domestically. Um, although I need to change that pretty soon. Um, but the support in terms of like making it happen or having people cover for me, like a lot of my travel was during my corporate days. Um, and honey, hunty, 15 years of uh, corporate. Yeah, my, my phone doesn't work in whatever country I'm in. So y'all can't call me. You just gonna have to figure this out. It's only 10 days. You'll be okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 didn't leave, I didn't just leave people out there. But you know, you, you leave your little game plan. Here's what needs to be done. Go do it. Um, now as an entrepreneur, it is actually harder because I have physical products. Um, and I don't have, um, you know, we don't have scaled manufacturing yet. So it's something that I have to be a little bit closer to. So I do sort of structure my trips around being able to continue to service the business, um, in a meaningful way. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's different when you're building it. Um, but it still works. It still works. You just, you just kind of figure your way around it.
1: Um, What does your family think about your travel? Um, Are they, do they a lot of times go with you since you say that like you don't do a whole lot of solo except? Oh, no,
0: I've never traveled with family. I don't know if I would. Well, I mean, so I take that back. Our family reunion is now in its 56th annual year. I think it is annual Um, and it's in a different city every year. So domestic travel, you know, there's there's travel with family in that regard. Um, international travel, nah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know how many of them actually have like their passports. I could probably think of a few people, but not, not a ton. And so, I, you know, it's my dad freaks out every time I leave the country. I've gotten to the point that I start telling him while I'm at the airport. I'm like, so, what you up to? Yeah, I'm about to be on this flight to Bali. So, I'm going to call you seven days. Bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I went to Ireland and my dad was like, aren't they at war? And I was like, that was 1991, bro. Like, um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I think that from a family perspective, I would love to get one of my family reunions offshore somewhere um but I don't think that's ever gonna happen but we'll have to get we'll have to get a family travel (laughs) group together or something because I want to see them travel I want I want these folks all over the world
1: (laughs) so so when you've been doing all your traveling are they just basically like what's happening why are you going and you're like bye
0: yeah yeah well and it's funny my my great aunt um she had you know like you 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 your Grammys and your great aunts have like those plates and stuff on the wall. And you don't really look at them really close, but I was looking at one and I was like, wait a minute, this ain't in English. And that looks like Argentina. She was like, Oh yeah, I've been there. (laughs) I was like, and come to find out, she spent a lot of years traveling when people were not traveling like that. Um, And that was kind of fascinating and fun Thing to learn about. Uh, you know, every now and again, people break away, you know? And her life had been between, like, Chicago and and Michigan. That's about it, you know? But when she traveled, she went, like, far. She was like, oh, yeah, I've been to South America twice. And I'm like, okay. I haven't even made it to that continent yet. <laughs> and it seems like you kind of stay booed up. <laughs> Isn't that true? Like, have you all... Always- well, no, there's... <laughs> the 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 travel... <laughs> The travel discussion made it seem like it, it was, uh, it was uh, a continuous thing. But no, there's gaps. You only in travel
1: when you're relationships. Okay.
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like those girls trips be in between and things like that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but when I'm in, you know, in, in relationships, you know, I I look for partners that are are amenable to travel. Like it's a big part of my life. It's something that is, um, you know, integral to my emotional health to be able to go places and it doesn't necessarily have to be far flung. Like it's like, you know, you don't have to be rich and travel all around the world. I, although I love to to do that. I like to do it on the cheap. Um, but even <laughs> in the country, it's like, all right, let's hop in the car, put some bags in here or let's fly to Savannah or let's go wherever and like just experience something different. Um, so that's definitely a, a requisite.
1: Um, you are a bonus mom. Speaking. Yeah. Of. yeah. How has that, added a layer into your life
0: um it's a wonderful creamy layer of boys that are sticky and smelly <laughs> and sweet and wonderful um their their love and their attention is is an amazing thing um it's an interesting balance because w- to me when you're not a birth parent you're kind of constantly walking the tightrope of not overstepping um but being as present and as integral as you can um and so that means sometimes i feel like i'm not doing enough and then sometimes i feel like i'm doing too much um and in balancing a company you know starting out it was it's interesting when i was still i was working full time when i started the company and i was just doing it in my free time and i think i had more time when i was working a full time job and then coming home and working on it than when i went full time on the business because at that point it's like I'm full time. I got to make this work like yesterday, and so there was a probably a good three or five month period where I was just like up till three every night, and so it was one of those things that you know the kids would come home or I pick them up or whatever, and there's that family time that you you carve out, right? And I was very dedicated to making sure that that was there, but then. It was like the time before and the time after was just all work, um, which isn't the best balance. I don't recommend that. Get some sleep. You, nobody, nobody needs you looking crazy. Um, or you don't need to be, be making like dumb mistakes, not resting yourself. Um, rest actually enables you to come back and, and do your best, not your, you know. Um, it,
1: it does, but like fitting that in, like actually fitting that
0: in. But it's not a fitting in thing. Like you need to just not do things. You need to just not do things. But
1: if you hadn't done the things that you did, would you be where
0: you are today? I mean, I think actually I'd probably be a little bit further along because when you don't get enough rest and you don't take care of yourself, you start messing with your personal life, (laughs) you irritable, you know, all of those things. And those are things that you have to go back and take time to repair and work on. You may or may not be at your best because you're just tired. Right. And you're not, you don't, your body's not meant to just be up all the time. I mean, some people are like that. Like I had a really perky college roommate that just only needed four hours of sleep. And I still kind of hate her for that. But you know, for me, I'm like, I need seven and a half. If I don't get seven and a half, I don't make sense for like half the morning. (laughs) Then I'm awake. Then I get hungry. Then I get sleepy and now I'm up until three being like, I still didn't get those things done that I wanted to get done. So, you know, I I do think that, you know, like this idea of, well, the more hours you work, the more you get done is a fallacy. It's just like saying calories in, calories out. It's like, yeah, if if I eat McDonald's fries, you know, 500 calories of McDonald's fries versus 500 calories of, you know, steak and vegetables, that's the same thing. No, it's not. I am going to be full and happy on that steak. Those French fries, I'm going to immediately need a cheeseburger and something to wash it down with. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, it's not the same. And I think spending a hundred hours awake um, all at once versus over the course of a couple weeks is, uh, is detrimental. It's not as healthy for you um, and you don't function as well as you could. So, I mean, that's a big, that was a big learning for me um, coming out of losing sleep. Cause I got to the point that I was like, I remember one day just crying. I'm so tired. <laughs> I was like, this has to change. I can't do this. I'm taking a nap. And I think I took that whole weekend off. I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not looking at a screen. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm going to sleep as long as I can have a couple meals and then sleep again and re, you know, kind of recharge myself. So it's important. It's, it's definitely important. I don't think I would have gotten more done. Um, by continuing to go hard like that. So then
1: what are specifically some of your self-care practices?
0: Um, allowing myself to sleep in. I just, you know, I feel guilty. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, when you have to go to an office, it's like, well, people don't notice. <laughs> but if you're working for yourself, you know, it's, I have a mixture of guilt that I should be up. Like I would get up at like, or 7 and start working in my PJs. And I'm like, no, you need to have a morning. If you were going to a corporate space, you would at least have an hour commute to think about nothing or listen to a podcast or, you know, be mad at other drivers, whatever it is that you like to do during that commute or whatever, you know. (laughs) So, but if you start your work day, the second you're up, I mean, I was like, wait, I haven't brushed my teeth yet. And it's like two 30, this is a problem. So sleep was something sleep and giving myself a real morning was a big piece. Um, even if that real morning was sitting on the couch and like catching a TV show or whatever it is, like having breakfast, just making a full breakfast and sitting down and eating it. Um, those were important. I think the other pieces are, uh, Oh my God, I'm addicted to baths. Like I lived in a place that had, that had a shower. It was a very nice shower, but I was like, there's no tub and this is killing me. Um, so my thing now is like bath salts and a soak. i if I'm not a prune, I'm not getting out. Um, <laughs> and that's really relaxing and helpful. And then when I get the chance, I do like to exercise, whether it be yoga, whether it be walking, I used to like to lift, but I messed my back up. Long story. (laughs) Um, But, you know, exercise, I think, is a great way to relieve stress. And half the time, even things like yoga, it just releases tension that you don't even recognize is there, that can be very distracting from the work that you're trying to do and being as present as you like to be. So I think that's important as well.
1: I don't think that there are enough warnings about how your back and knees. Leave you
0: <laughs> <laughs> the older you get.
1: I yeah I'm really upset about the millions of people, the billions, trillions of people that came before us that did not let us know <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was uh, yeah, it's it, it's funny. it's like it's age, but then it's also working with people that know. You know what they're doing so like if you're working with a trainer or you're at a gym like making sure you know how to use the equipment properly and have the right form and if you don't know that's what the internet is for um because <laughs> that's that's really a thing right like never I, I i often talk about like tip of the iceberg thinking where you see somebody doing something and you're like that doesn't look hard you just saw the tip of the iceberg. You don't know what they're doing to set themselves up to do that successfully. You don't know what work or what conditioning had to happen in order for them to do that. And you're like, let me just see if I can lift this weight. And then I, you do pulled everything from your ankle to your neck. Cause <laughs> you don't know. You're like, what is think, my oh, yeah. ear? It's my, did I just <laughs> locate my ear? Like, I didn't even <laughs> Y'all, don't Y'all don't hear that. Y'all don't hear that. It's <a dislocation>, right <laughs> the ear bone. Um, yeah. So you got to educate yourself and, be ready for the opportunity, right? 100-pound weight is sitting there. Are you ready to pick it up or not? If you're not ready, don't touch it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, is there, are, there, are any of those practices particularly grounding for you, or do you have something else that's grounding for you?
0: Um, I would say yoga is the closest to prayer that I've ever come, um, because it's as quiet as I get. Like I just have one of those minds that it's constantly going, not necessarily racing, but constantly going. And I think yoga and, and active release is, um, that calms my mind really well. Um, And, you know, it's so funny. They talk about how like hip openers are where you keep all of like your relationships or your hurts or whatever it is. And I remember going, like doing like a, I forget, I think it was maybe like a pigeon pose or something. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have a little cry while I'm here. No, no, I'm not in pain. I'm all right. I'm just going to have a little cry. Um <laughs> it's I think it's it's really cathartic in that way. Um I wish I did it more. I need to to get my practice up because it is it's like oh, I don't really feel like going to the yoga studio. I could just go tomorrow. I'll just stretch a little bit at home. But when I actually do go, I'm like, "Oh my god, I need to be doing this every day." So, um yeah, I think that's probably the the best out of all of them
1: yoga absolutely did that for me um i experienced some things in my life i was i was going to classes i didn't even know it was yoga i was going to dance classes and <laughs> somebody said something about yoga and i was like mm, no i've never done yoga and the instructor was like Mitch you do yoga every time you <laughs> <laughs> I took my class and I was like, "Well, you never called it that, so."
0: You just <laughs> but, said it was stretching, duh. But, yeah,
1: but after I went through the experiences I went through, um, I would absolutely be crying, and I, I do feel like it was exactly what I needed at that time. It was that release. And pigeon pose will take.
0: <laughs> <Pigeon> <laughs> it pose. will snatch yeah. your life. Okay. <laughs> for, for
1: y'all that, that don't know, it's probably not even really called pigeon pose. Pigeon pose. I don't know what the actual name of it is, since it's you know been spread around. But uh, pigeon pose is the pose where you put your one of your legs as squarely as possible in front of you, and then the other leg is directly behind you, straight. So the first leg is bent in a literal like 90 degree angle in front of you as much as you could get. Your heel may have to like come in towards your thigh, but you are opening up the hip where your leg is straight. And you just like bend as far forward as you can with that thing. And Mm -hmm. it'll take your breath away.
0: (laughs) I, I remember the first time I tried that and I was like, are you supposed to sweat? This ain't hot yoga, right? Right um, <laughs> yeah, but it's I mean, but it's great because and it, it, and it's that you know you get that pain at the beginning right and it's not you shouldn't have sharp pain, never do something that you have sharp pain, stop it immediately. Um, but you know you get that discomfort of the stretch, right, where you feel the tenseness of the muscle and you feel yourself trying to force it away, and then you sit. And you're like, okay, y'all, y'all. So, can we get a countdown or something? You're like, what? Why is it taking so long? And <laughs> How after it's like been much a minute longer, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's funny though, because once you've been in the pose, and usually it's about two minutes in a pose that you get like full release of a muscle. But even after a minute, you'll just start to be like, oh, oh, I can go deeper into it. I can stretch. And and when you come out of it, the the relief. Like the you know, the equal and opposite reaction of that relief is like, ooh, I know my left hip was that loose. Hey, you know. <laughs> it's, it's it's really cool. I'm I'm actually kind of stiff right now as I'm thinking about it, being like, I need to go to yoga tomorrow. But
1: yes, please do. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um you said that. There are a few ways you like to explore a new place when traveling. You like to try uh the indigenous food, uh a local beer, and I thought there was a third thing you said, but uh, does fast that
0: food. Say it again. Uh the fast food like the American chain. Yeah. yeah, all of them are food based.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um is there a specific song lyric or a poem that speaks to you these days?
0: Ooh. Um, you know, I think uh, it's not a lyric, but um, I have a quote um, that I put Uh, It's in the footer of my personal email and it's a Frederick Douglass quote. It says, I prefer to be true to myself even at the hazard of incurring the ridicule of others rather than to be false and to incur my own abhorrence, which is basically saying I'd rather you hate me at the end of the day than me hate me at the end of the day. Um, Sticking to what my values are particularly in trying times, um, but also in good times too, right? Like sometimes you can kind of let stuff go to your head. So it's really being true to my values and what I believe is right is, um, is a North star for me. And I've found myself having conversations lately, particular to that, right? Where maybe there's difficult situations that people would typically say, well, I'm just going to walk away. Just, <laughs> that's too much for me. I'm bite. Uh, you know. And and my thought is, is that I have values around sticking through hard things. Um, and like I said, you know, you do you do come out stronger from challenges. Um, so so it's something that I I practice every day. I try to practice that every day.
1: Do you feel like there was a time when you? would forget your values?
0: Um, I think we all have those times. It's not like, it's, it's not perfect because, you know, I, I personally feel like everybody has a price and I don't necessarily mean money. Um, but I think, you know, people go, I would never murder somebody, but depending on the situation, <laughs> you know, you either can or you able. Um, you know, it depends on, you know, what the circumstances are. And so what I look for is just striving to try to keep it top of mind and keep myself self-aware. Because that's the other thing. If you're, if you're running at a, you know, million miles an hour and you're making split-second decisions and you're going through life too fast to really think about the thing, the choices that you're making, it's very easy to get off track. And so you know, it's I try to make those assessments along the way um, and steer myself in the right direction. But it's never perfect, you know. It's never perfect. Mm-hmm.
1: Have there been any challenges that are specific to you, um, just from the the lens you grew up with, uh, in terms of business or travel or both?
0: Um. You know, I think particularly in corporate America, one of my challenges was having a very strategic vision, you know, even coming in to corporate America. Well, not coming in, but like certainly in my more like middle management day. Um, and I, I found that I, I worked best with more senior people, more senior executives, um, and it was it was off putting with people, to be frank. Um, I had a woman tell me that she was like, ah, "I've never been spoken to spoken like that, uh, spoken to that way by someone, you know, in your level." And I'm like, "If you didn't put the caveat on it, I would have apologized." But the caveat of my level doesn't allow me to to tell you very directly that. The quality that we want, and we really need to go revisit that. Um, you know, and it, it and it's also you know again being in my skin, um, my my tight and tawdry um, melanated skin. Um, sometimes <laughs> people think I'm a child; they think I'm young, and I'm like, no, I just have good genes. So, and not only that, I, I'm a firm believer. You shouldn't disrespect young folks. I mean, if you're 22 and you have a good idea and you had the right, you know, to speak up don't get mad just because they're younger than you and they came up with something, you know. Um, so, so, you know, those instances of being a female in the corporate space, being a black female in the corporate space, people, you know, mistaking uh, kindness for weakness, people mistaking my, my wrinkle-free skin as a newness, um, you know, there were definitely challenges in that regard of getting my voice heard um, and listened to. Um, and I'm a pretty boisterous person. I'm a pretty loud person, um, you know, and I'm not necessarily afraid to speak up. And I think that's something that's very different. I think people, you know, I, I once got advice from a a boss that told me I should try whispering so people wouldn't be intimidated when I speak. And I was like, yeah. And I was, you know, in my head, I was whispering back to him like, I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) <laughs> like that's stupid um but you know it's uh, people it's very interesting out there it's a very very interesting place um and i think when you asked me about like travel my travel self versus sort of my cor- corporate or my business self it is that freedom like you know i don't i don't wait for permission to speak um when i travel I don't wait for permission to direct what's happening. Um, I don't do it as much on the business side either, but, uh, but it's certainly, you know, it's a, (laughs) it's a space that I don't have to think about it, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely challenges of just, you know, being me and having essentially a 45 year old white executive on the inside (laughs) when I was like 25. (laughs)
1: And would you say that your, your values have helped you to navigate them? Or is there anything in particular that you would say helped you to manage these challenges?
0: Um, Yeah, I think the values is one big piece. Um, You know, things that I value, I really value honesty. Um, And I would say, you know, colloquially speaking, I'm probably honest to a fault. Um, But I think it's valuable to always be a source of truth. Um, so if people are like, uh, "Is she just saying that to be nice?" you don't you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I won't say it's nice. <laughs> um, but that was something that you know, from a professional maturity perspective, was very very helpful, particularly having difficult conversations. I think a lot of people, and particularly women, and, and, um, have trouble having difficult conversations um and the the value of being willing to tell somebody that they got spinach in their teeth and they look crazy i would rather tell you as your manager as your friend as your peer than to have everybody else in the room see it because you didn't know that it was there um i think and i would rather someone tell me um you know don't let me go with my skirt tucked up in my underwear like you need to help me out and that and that goes for behavior and Quality of work and all of those things. So that was a big navigation tool for me. It also was helpful in that, like, when you do get pressured, when you do get challenged, um, it's, it's helpful to have a North Star so that you don't have to make decisions on the fly. And kind of be, you know, blowing here and there. It's like, no, nope, I know what the value, what the core value is. So then what's the, what's the action that needs to be taken to support that? Um, you know, because otherwise incentives are going to, if you don't have that intrinsic motivation, whatever you're being incentivized outwardly will be your, your motivation and your guide and your value. Um, and those change daily at big companies, um, based off of who's your boss or who's your boss's boss or how the market's working. Um, so it's very important to know what you value and what you're willing to do and what you're not.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. I always like to make space for my guests to be supported by the listeners. So can you please tell us how listeners can support your work?
0: Oh, definitely. Um, If you want to find the Black Travel Box, we are online on on the web. Our website is www.theblacktravelbox.com. We're on um, Instagram as Black Travel Box, at Black Travel Box. Um, So definitely hit us up there. If you'd like to reach me, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram, Orion, O-R-I-O-N underscore Helana, H-E-L-A-N-A. And I love to hear from people. So, um, you know, reach out.
1: I really, really appreciate you taking the time because I know you're ultra busy with your startup um, to speak with us and to share your passions and your ideas around travel and business. So thank you so, so very much for being a guest on the podcast today.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. This is a good conversation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you not? I try to make it
0: interesting. <laughs> I see you, girl. I see you.
1: <laughs> so we will end the show there. Y'all have a gorgeous day and we'll see you on the next chapter of Black Women Travel Podcast. mm hang da 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 Ba-dum, uh 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 ba